The mass protest against crime in South Auckland last weekend touched such a nerve that 10,000 people took part. The demonstration was organised by the Asian Anti-Crime Group after three Asians died violently in the last months. Those taking part expressed dissatisfaction over police performance. But are more officers needed? Richard Palmatoto investigates the increasing demands on local police. The march, stretching 2.5 kilometres for nearly two hours through a wet and cold botany downs, sent a strong signal to New Zealand. The growing and mostly well-heeled Asian population who live in this new and uniform suburb of big beige houses will no longer tolerate violent crime. They marched quietly, led by drums and men bearing black coffins. Many carried New Zealand flags and signs calling for tougher laws and more police. The families of those killed last month, Joanne Wong in a botched handbag snatch, 80-year-old Yin Ping Yang in her home, and Sikh Navtej Singh in his liquor store walked with others who have lost loved ones through violence. But the three Asian deaths in the poor South Auckland suburbs of Manurewa and Manukau, less than 10 minutes from Botany Downs, fuel belief that violent crime is escalating and the police have lost control. With passing car drivers showing their support, people on the march chanted their desire, we want safe. Many are victims of violent crime, like Wei Shin Li and her husband Hai Ming Li, robbed at gunpoint. I got a shop, I got a company for five branch. Main thing is money exchange. I was robbed by... By the two gunmen? Yes. Gunmen? This is my husband. When we got uh, some robber, they crashed the door... Uh, with a gun to our shop in the evening time. So Robert lost money and uh, scared. 70,000 yeah. was the time. We, we fighting with them, protect our staff, but uh, they escaped. Uh, arrested by the, the, uh, by, by the police. Half a year ago, yeah. we heard already catch this. They caught already, it by police. Yeah. They're in the hospital. They saw they heard it by nothing. us. Can tell us we can got money back or we can got anything. Nothing. We, no, we haven't got anything. Uh, we haven't got any response from police. Mrs. Lee is upset enough to say she'll leave New Zealand if the government does nothing about what she sees as rising crime and police inaction. And many on the march share her view. If this law. Not a change. I think no safety for our, for everyone. I plan will go back. I got heaps money. I will go back home. I will bring the money. All of them go back home because no safety in New Zealand. Where are you from? How long have you been here? Shanghai, twenty years. Been here twenty years. Do you like New Zealand? Yeah, all apart the from the was very much just before, not now. Mrs. Lee's family live in fear of violent crime and believe it is the government's responsibility to give the police more resources. About 10 minutes away from Botany Downs is the Manurewa police station. It covers the area where both Mr. Singh and Mrs. Yang were killed. Um, 
M and I, if you take the first four. BOI, take the second four. Here, the officers are at line-up, the start of a shift that will run from half past three in the afternoon until 2am the following morning, or longer if needs be. Mel Hassel is the acting sergeant running this shift. Line up at the start of every shift, and that's to disseminate information to to the staff coming on. So I've um, been briefed from the section previously. I get uh, a briefing from or taskings from the intel section, and they um, have issues or, or areas that we need to focus on during the night, such as you know, um, disorder in around South Crest, um, North Crest, or um, you know, jury robberies, just doing a high visibility patrolling, showing a face parking up outside a robbery or a, a dairy or a liquor store. So this is a list of follow-ups maybe from calls or things that you're looking at? Not, not so much from calls, but it's, it's just areas which are of concern, like community reassurance in the Radovine Drive area. Just There's a lot of issues in there from low socioeconomic housing, crime, youth, unemployment, all sorts of things that are happening in there, and we're just wanting the police to go in there, um, marked cars, drive around, stop people, talk to people, walk through parks, reserves, just so people, when they look out, see the police and they know we're there. Um, so it's just that sort of a tasking. Then there's the bail check. So we've got everybody in Manurewa who's um, on, on bail with curfews, um, and um, some of them are shaded as, as people that we should really be targeting. Does that mean you'll call by where they're meant to be on curfew yep. check they're there? So, yep, you know, between you know, 7 p.m., 7 a.m., yeah, this individual should be at home. We'll go there, knock on the door. One of their bail conditions is to front up to the door on request, and we make sure they're there. If they're not, they're breaching their bail. We put forms in for that, and you know, next shift they'll be advised that this person's breached their bail, and they seek them out, arrest them, take them before the courts, and they can explain to the judge why they're breaching their bail. There's quite a few people on that list, though. That's a lot of administration work you've got to go through. It's close to 40 people. A lot of time doing that, but a lot of these people are burglars that are out and about at night, and if we can make sure they stay in their house, because they know we're going to be checking them, they're not going to be out doing a burglary. He says in an ideal world, all the bail checks would be completed, some twice, but that rarely happens. The reality is it's a Friday night, I've got two cars to cover all the manure until night shift come on at 10. Um, these bail checks and stuff are going to be a lower priority as opposed to calls for service. As I said, we, we had um, there's about four jobs stacked up for us already. We've got another job that's coming over the front counter for an assault. Um, so that's another five jobs we've already got. We've only got two cars. So, uh, yeah, we're spread thin already and we're just starting. These offices are spread over Manukau City's biggest ward, where there's a population of 77,000, a median income of $24,600 and an average age of 28. Statistics for 2007 show overall crime has dropped in counties Manukau from the previous year, with homicides falling from 27 to 8 but grievous assaults have risen by more than 3%, intimidation and threats by 10%, and serious assaults by 11%. There are more disorderly events, an increase in drug offences, including methamphetamine or pee, plus a rise in sexual attacks. In contrast, the Mercer Safe City Survey, which placed Auckland fifth in the world, while the highest Asian placing was 50
Inspector Alan Shearer, the head of the Manurewa Policing District, says the criticism of his officers needs to be seen in a broader context. The county's Manukau does get a lot higher P1 events, which is the calls for emergencies. We're quite a diverse community. It is a lot busier uh, than perhaps other areas. And some of the, the problems may are different to other areas as well. So, um, you know, I, mean, I think we've got, you know, with, with the demographics, for instance, or if we've got a lot younger uh, population that is coming through um, whose ethnicity is, is quite varied. Uh, Manurewa is 20, about 22% Māori, tr- uh, th- uh, 22% Polynesian, 32% European, 12% Asian, and 10% others. So there's, other, other, there's quite a few other groups in. That's reflected in probably that we've got 2,500 housing New Zealand homes. Some of the population are new immigrants. Inspector Shearer says the issues are never-ending. Certainly the unemployment compared to maybe the national average is a lot higher. I think it's around about 10 or 12%. The education, we've got two high schools, a decile one, and a third that's decile three. There's some of the other primary schools within the area, intermediate schools within the area, are quite low decile schools and there is issues around the education and it's very difficult when you're getting a, a population that's um, as diverse as ours, there are going to be issues around language and uh, cultural issues and things like that. Driving into these issues are Constables Jonathan Ziesler, six months out of police college, and Joanna Kennard, about to enter her third year in the force. Their first job, a 111 call over domestic violence. It's downgraded to a P2 when the person's left. So sometimes it's a P1 and it's really not um, life or death, but because somebody's still there. It takes under five minutes to get to the address through heavy traffic, and on arrival, the officers approach the house from both sides. What's been happening the call has been made by a 15-year-old female, scared over a fight between her older brother and sister. Constable Kennard speaks to one of the family members while Constable Ziesler stands by. Oh, I got scared. And you got scared? Yeah, I got scared of the situation is complicated and the family closes ranks. Well, the people involved, um, they're telling us there's nothing happened, there's nothing wrong, it's a family argument. Do you believe them? We're never going to know any different. Um, but the girl that rang was 15, so hearing older siblings argue could be quite scary for her. Although um, it's probably not the first time. But So now we're going to check all the people involved here, just run them through. So if they're wanted or anything, we can take them away or if they've got warrants or anything that we need to know about them. Constable Kennard says the check reveals that the police have been called to violent incidents involving this man 47 times before, and she expects many incidents go unreported. But while the visit to the address is over, the paperwork is not. Completing the domestic violence form brings the time spent on the call-out to over an hour. As the car leaves, there's another domestic incident a kilometre down the road, traced to a 111 call hang-up, often an indicator of serious trouble. Again, the address has a history. 
and he started up, and I just wanted to. Sh I shut the door, tried to shut the door in his face. What do you mean he started up? With? Uh, because he'd been drinking all day. It's usually with the alcohol intake. Doesn't matter how much he has, he just can't handle his alcohol, and then he gets slippy at me and violent. Yeah. But that's why I just walked outside to leave. But today, what what did he do when you say he started up? I just switch off. I try not to listen. I just want to keep the hell out of it. Do you think you'll come back? Yes, I do. That's why I had all my locks done. Further questioning establishes the couple are both on benefits, and while a trespass order is in place, the woman continues to invite the man over. Constable Ziesler says this situation is not unusual. So is there a chance you could be back here tonight? Quite possibly. Obviously he's just left on foot and uh, he keeps returning, so whether she calls is a, is a different story. It's a cycle difficult for police to manage. No arrest can be made because the offender has gone, leaving more paperwork and another 40 minutes of the shift gone. Domestic violence makes up over half the 111 calls. The time spent on such cases is unlikely to be any consolation to those marches in Botany Downs with direct experience of violent crime. Mark Ma, in his mid-twenties, has lived in New Zealand for six years. New Zealand law is sometimes is a very weak for the uh, for a crime, and uh, for the last two weeks, uh, three five people being killed in New Zealand. I think it's a very serious problem. And uh, I've been here for about six years. And when I, first, uh, when I come here in 2002, New Zealand is a very safe place. But these days, it's not, it's not safe at all. We uh, feel very, you know, not very comfortable these days. Yeah. What do you think can be done, though? Uh, uh, we want, you know, the New Zealand law can be sometimes more serious about the crime, so, so that people won't do any bad things to, to people. Yep. There's a big turnout today, over 10,000 people. Does that surprise you? Uh, not really, because, uh, you know, uh, our Asian people, Chinese people, uh, you know, um, we are always thinking about, you know, the New Zealand is, is too weak. So um, it's a very, it's a good time for, for us to let New Zealand know it's, um, it's time for, to change the law. You know. But that view could be coloured by migrants used to a different policing culture in their home country. Inspector Alan Shearer of the Manurewa Police says his staff are under more pressure given recent events. I think there's going to be short-term, medium-term and long-term issues. I think some of the problems in, in Manurewa and the, the areas I've spoken about are going to be medium to long-term and all this publicity, I suppose, is the opportunity for us to actually look at it and actually say, well, yes, there is a problem here, but there's also solutions and opportunities to make it better and it gives a political a will and also... If will for from the police and other organisations to say, well, we've got to do something different to get together and work together. When it comes to resources, you know, cars on the road, bodies on the street, have you got enough people to get out there and do the job? Or are you stretched a bit? I can't answer that, but obviously it's a political question leading up to the election. But right now I can say that our, we've got, we're fully staffed, we've got enough cars for the staff that we've got here. Hopefully you know, and I think it's the public who could really give us a better description, but to give a better uh, answer. But we're providing a service where we're visible and um, we're responding to the community's needs.
the government says it has already taken action over concerns about rising crime. Acting Police Minister Phil Goff. It's a problem that is being addressed with more frontline police officers, tougher sentencing. But the needs of the fast-growing population of counties Manukau, approaching 380,000 plus, are very complicated. And poverty, with the attendant issues in health and education, the markers of the crime hotspots. The Manukau City Council Community Director Ian Maxwell says planning for the city is difficult given its challenges. We have the highest rate of chronic illness in New Zealand. Uh, we have issues around, for example, obesity. Uh, we have the lowest proportion of children in New Zealand that are undertaking any form of physical activity. Uh, we have issues with uh, health in terms of um, uh, housing with, that, that suffer from dampness. Uh, so there's a whole range of health and education issues. Mr Maxwell says there is a direct relationship between these attributes and crime. If I was to perhaps describe a map or a, a map of our city, I can map uh, locations which uh, suffer from um, socio-economic issues. So they might be relatively low incomes, uh, low education levels, uh, those sorts of things. And if I was to place a map of the home addresses of those uh, of those people, uh, the youth, for example, um, who, are, who are on diversion or have been prosecuted. Then, then the maps will, will match up. Not absolutely, but they, they, they will match. And if I place over top of that a map that shows uh, chronic illness and illnesses related to housing, then, then there will be a consistency there. Another at the front line is Janet Curry-Robson, the owner of Good Home Rentals, an agency that finds accommodation for some of Manurewa's poorest people. Most of our tenants, to be honest, they're the hard end of the very hard end of the market. They're beneficiaries. They tried beating the system by a wife coming in with three kids and I need a house and my husband's beat me up and la la la. You get them into a tenancy and then you find that, oh, boyfriends come back onto the property, onto the scene again. It probably never was off the scene and they're double dipping. Mrs Curry-Robson says these people are often criminals too and the home environments are dreadful. Their houses often look like tip sites and they wear the latest in fashion clothes but the name clothes, but the, but they don't wash them, they don't clean. When they're dirty, they just chuck them. And we've we've had a couple of houses. I could actually show you photos of it. Where um, one in particular, the tenant left. She'd been chased for rent, chased, chased, chased. She did a runner in the end. We sent a crew in to clean up the place. There were clothes from every bedroom was completely. The floors were covered with clothes. In the main bedroom, used sanitary pads chucked amongst the clothes. I mean, that's filthy. That's not often we get that, but it is filthy. Um, when we finally tracked the woman down later on, I said to her, where'd you get so many clothes? Oh, we go around and raid the bins, the red bins, and we get the clothes out of the red bins. And if we don't like them or they don't fit, we just chuck them on the floor. She says the police work hard. I'm happy with what the police do do. They've got a terrible job because they're tied with their hands because the kids that are under 17, I suppose, just literally stand there and go, nah, 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 to the cops. You know, you can't do anything, we're underage. And I really think that the, um, to me, the age of um, responsibility should go right back to about 12, 14. 
because we get kids tagging properties, we get them going into the into the properties. We've had a spate in South Auckland of about thirty odd um, hot water tanks being stolen, that sort of thing. Back on the beat, there's an urgent call. This event minutes after the second domestic violence incident. It's about six fifteen p.m. Do you hear what this is? No. What is this? Somebody's disturbed a burglar inside their house. Or a person inside the house. This was a priority event. The homeowner could be at risk, so it jumps other jobs in the queue. This incident saw the homeowner detain two of the alleged eight involved. A 13-year-old in tracksuit, hoodie and bare feet. A 15-year-old, very overweight and wearing a baseball cap. Both either Māori or Pacific. They are detained by Constable Ziegler and put in the back of the car. They say their parents are not at home. At this stage you're detained, okay, for further questioning back at Mandalua Police Station. While this is going on, Constable Kennard has begun an examination of the burglary scene and it has started raining hard. This house was burgled two days ago. The owner replaced all the locks, but a large window has been smashed. Glasses strewn through the lounge room and cables from a DVD torn from a cabinet stretch across the floor. Outside in the rain, a plasma TV is found dumped on the lawn. Taking statements takes an hour. Veronica Henere lives in the burgled house. I feel really good about the process that they've used and that they, um, when I arrived back and I met the police officers as I was coming through to the house, you know, they introduced themselves to me and when I just liked the way that um, the police officer interviewed my partner in terms of the, um, in terms of the burglary. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm fine about what I've seen and what I've witnessed in terms of the police. Do you think they've got a busy job, tough job out here in counties Manukau? Absolutely, but then, you know, in saying that, I think that we've been tarred because, you know, I mean, we call it counties Manukau, we call Manurewa. I mean, I've been here 11 years, you know. I, I love this community, otherwise I wouldn't live here. But, you know, because of the things that have been happening, but we're being tarnished now. You know, everyone throughout the country looks at us as South Auckland. In fact, I read today in the paper about a little boy that was killed, and now he was killed down the line. But they made reference to the fact that at one stage in his little life, young life, he lived in South Auckland. Well, you know, everything's pointing, you know, and it's negative, and there's some, there's some good things happening out here. And there always has been. It just seems to be that there's been a run of you know, a spate of incidents happening at the same time. Ms Henare says the immediate pressure on policing can overshadow the complex issues facing South Auckland. Later in the evening, the officers attend the sudden death of a 92-year-old Chinese woman. An ambulance crew called by the family found the woman dead and protocol requires police attendance. They arrive as the family is quietly chanting and lighting incense. Statements are taken over her death to ensure there are no suspicious circumstances and a police doctor is called to sign a death certificate. This takes over an hour.
Sudden deaths are also attended by the district shift supervisor. This evening, Cornell Clusine. Something a lot of people don't appreciate or don't realise is that um, most police will want to resolve a situation, you know, when something's going on. It's not like they just don't care, you know what I mean? Um, I, I, I do often sort of think to myself, oh shit, you know, if this happened to a family member of mine, I'd, I'd want the police to get there nice and quick, so I'll go, I'll go over there nice and quick, you know, or as quick as I can. Um, at the same time, I'm not going to... Um, grieve over every sudden death I go to, for example. You know, I'll go to a sudden death, I went to another sudden death yesterday, I might go to another sudden death tonight. I'm not going to then go home and think, oh, that poor lady, you know. You can't expect me to do that. But at the same time, um, if I hear of a sudden death and there's no staff to go there, I'll go there early just so that there's a police officer there, just so people sort of so people don't think to themselves, oh, please don't, don't care, you know. Senior Sergeant Clusine says resources are always stretched and there is no letter for frontline police. Each job appears to have its own complications. Constables Kennard and Ziegler tell me about a visit to a woman with mental health issues and say many people don't understand what's involved in frontline policing. We don't get breaks as such, so... Nine times out of ten, we're either eating just before we go home at two o'clock in the morning, which is when we finished tonight and last night. Uh, we're just racing from job to job, and that's right. There, there are other jobs, and sometimes when we get there, people get annoyed that we haven't turned up earlier. But usually, we say, "Look, this is not the only job that's happening. There's only X amount of cars." And most of the time, I think people understand, but I can understand their frustration as well. We don't have time to. Um, for, for example, this job last night, this lady, we were there, we had to wait for the ambulance to turn up, okay, they're just as busy, and we could have been there maybe half an hour until ambulance took her. The second time we did a welfare check at her house to make sure she was okay and had returned home, then we had to take her hospital and hand them over to hospital staff, so that was probably another hour, so all up we probably spent an hour and a half with this lady last night. To make sure they had security there. And, and once so we're with her, we can't and... just, if a more important job came through, we can't just leave her because yeah. then we're going to go back to potentially a, a dead person. As the night rolls on, a few of the bail checks are done, but pressing matters like a street brawl take precedence. The streets of Manurewa, while geographically close to Botany Downs, where the march, dominated by Asians, took place, are demographically miles apart. Those are the pressing concerns for the government and the community if there is to be any shift in the perception that the police are failing to serve the public. That programme was written and presented by Richard Palmatato. It was produced by Sue Ingram with technical production by Nick Chave.